0: Hey everyone. Welcome to Disrupting Our Practice. I'm Shannon Patterson.
1: And I'm Greg Flynn. This podcast is for white-bodied leadership and organization development consultants, facilitators, coaches, and trainers.
0: This is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exploration of how we practitioners can disrupt our practices. Those practices where we are unwittingly perpetuating racism, oppression, and harm. And it's all in service to being able to co-create a culture of equity, justice, and healing. So we live in a world that truly works for everyone.
1: Thanks for joining us as we work to disrupt our practice. Hi, Greg. Hi, Shannon. Here we are.
0: We wanted to provide just a little bit about today's episode of Disrupting Our Practice. We have a guest today, a good friend and colleague of ours, a wonderful person. And you'll notice that we just drop right into conversation uh, with her. It was sort of how we decided to get rolling and address nerves, I think, on all of our parts. And she had mentioned she was nervous. And um, also that we're talking about, you know, creating safety and what felt safe. And her choice was to do this anonymously, to be able to really speak openly and truthfully about about her experience. So yes, yes, we are, we're calling, you'll notice we'll call her N. Uh, And yeah. So is anything you wanted to say about our episode today, Greg? Well,
1: I I so enjoyed the conversation and she's really open and honest in ways Mm -hmm. that, you know, I think are, are pretty profound. And I think the, I, you know, I hope all of you listening will really take heart and, and let her, her, you know, we were talking about how, like, is it a story No, It's actually a lived experience, right? Like this is what she experiences. This is her truth and reality. Uh, So it can be a little, um, and sometimes some moments feel a little tricky to listen to. And so, you know, paying attention to what you're noticing as you're experiencing her words um and her sharing her experience is uh something of value i think to help us develop capacity to be with these tricky things
0: yeah i would add to that i think you're suggesting this but just to really feel feel yes. what she's sharing feel her lived experience um yeah, just really let yourself be touched and take take it in and be be with her. be with us yeah. in that conversation. So um, we will drop you into that in, in just a moment. And if as you're listening, you feel touched and moved and want to understand more and just keep deepening your own understanding here, we have some workshops coming up disrupting our practice workshops. They're going to be in February. Uh, on
1: and march one of them is in march
0: oh one is in march i keep forgetting that one uh so (laughs) please we'll put the link in the show notes you can also go to uh connectionworks.com to our page where disrupting our practice events page and check out what's going on we would love to see you in any or all of those workshops that we have coming up
1: Yeah, they're going to be really exciting. Two of them will be co-facilitated with Aaron Johnson, who was on a couple episodes back. And uh, it's going to be really great. So uh, come join us, wrestle in the conversation, and we'll look forward to seeing you there and hearing your reactions to this conversation with our friend and colleague, Ann. And
0: I'm so enjoying this conversation. It's just really meaning a lot to me. And, you know, we've covered a little bit here and I'm just wondering what, you know, where you'd like to go from here and, you know, wanting you to feel this is really your time to be sharing what feels important. So I'm just going to pause here and yeah. see where you might want to go.
2: No, I appreciate that, Shannon and Greg. And like, I find it in my heart to say that I've really valued a relationship that we have built over the last year. I mean, it feels like it's been much longer than that, but I know it's <laughs> probably been less than a year because it's, um, we're kind of going into the end of 2022. And I, I tend to have this ritual around how do I want to walk into the new year? And instead of doing like new year's resolutions, I've been kind of thinking about what type of, thinking do I want to have? And it's really about like giving people the benefit of the doubt. And so Mm -hmm. meeting both of you, um, Shannon and Greg has helped me kind of like seep into that more. And so Mm. I'm, I'm looking forward to having this conversation. Like we just talked about just a few minutes ago. I'm very nervous. I'm not nervous to speak. I'm not nervous to talk but I'm nervous about my truth and how it will be interpreted by people who don't have my lived experience. You know, I'm not sure if that's making any sense, but that is a constant undercurrent of fear um, for somebody in my, in my position.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I'm wondering what, I mean, there's a reason for that. And you know, where you've shared your truth and had, had misinterpretations and experienced impact from that. Um, does that feel like a thing to share here so people can really understand what that's been like, or you can go wherever, wherever you'd like, I really want you to have this conversation be your lead and what's on your mind and heart.
2: I appreciate that, and I find myself even pausing. Like, you, like the mm. way that you phrased that question, Shannon, was a place from being open, and I trust you. But even with, with, with you asking me to take the lead in this conversation, I find myself stuttering, which is really mm. interesting. I'm sure there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I think where that comes from. To kind of answer your question more direct, I think where that comes from is when I've been in a position to say what's on my mind, it's been met with like feedback,
0: mm. Mm. or mm. feedback
2: that is in reality personality criticisms. And so, mm. um, you know, I've been in I've been in the tech industry for over ten years at this point. Have led people. Um, I'm not a leader that's of the typical mold, right? I don't fit into a box, and I think because I don't mesh in with the majority, people are just always a little bit like confused and fascinated with the type of person mm-hmm. I, I am in this in this tech industry. And so, I do everything I can to blend in. Because when I don't blend in, it's met with like, oh, in that meeting, you were extremely direct and you were way too opinionated. Mm -hmm. I've had 15 different flavors of that feedback. Mm
0: -hmm. But
2: Mm -hmm. now that I'm going through the education process and really understanding how an Asian American woman in tech, how they are. How they're um, the way that they show up is received. I now see that that's bias. It isn't really mm. feedback, and so mm. I think that's where my hesitation comes from. I genuinely don't know how to sound, how to speak, how to how to show up to just constantly keep myself safe.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I listen to that. And I just feel in my body, like confusion, you know, the, the trickiness of, um, you know, I was really struck when you said people are confused and fascinated, you know, and then you're needing to like, I don't know, respond to that in some appropriate, appropriate air quotes, you know, appropriate, way for the other person um, just sounds really hard really hard
2: it it's interesting that you say that Shannon I don't even know if I view it as hard I just mm. view it as this is this is my life mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. as I as I move through the world depending on where I'm at like which leader I'm supporting which organization I'm in, If I'm going grocery shopping, like just depending where I'm, where I'm going, I usually have like eight different strategies in my head. Like, what am I, what am I wearing? Who do I talk to? Who do I make direct eye contact with? What is my nonverbal communication doing? You know, let make sure that I, I, I stand up straight, but not too straight. So then I don't seem like overly confident Make sure I smile so that that can protect me from any like microaggression or inappropriate commentary being made my way. And I can touch on that in a moment. Um, so it's always scanning and always surve- surveying the people I'm around and where, where I'm at. That is a constant. And mm-hmm. it just is.
1: I find myself wanting to, to slow this down a little bit. And if you're, if you're willing um, and, and, and the reason is, is because I'm, I'm just tracking the audience, right. And this, this is uh, a, a podcast that's targeted at white bodied folks who are facilitating or holding or controlling space. And, I, you know, I mostly want to call it the kind of break the fourth wall here and call attention to the listener of, yeah the weight of what you just shared, right? Mm-hmm. Because what you just shared of having to carry around these strategies, having to carry around this this way of being that is, as you said, this is my life, right? This is how it is for me, uh, for you, is something I could feel in my body. I can feel taking that in as truth, taking that in as your reality, um, really, I can feel the weight of that and I can feel like I can feel the that it's, it's unfamiliar to me, right? Because I don't in my positionality, I don't need those strategies, right. I, I can walk into a room. I always used to joke, give me a clipboard and I could walk into any room. you know, and I could walk into the White House probably because that's just kind of how the world is built. you know and it's it's funny, but it's not funny. And the fact that you you're carrying all of these things just to go to work, right? Just to go into a thing, a place you spend, I'm guessing forty to fifty to. I don't you you're. I know you are a hard worker, so you also have a bunch of other roles in your life, so you, that you tend to. I know. So, but I want to slow that down for the listener because I think it's so important for us to be noticing that when every where we walk into a room, chances are we're walking into rooms where other folks, uh, folks who, who have different positionalities than us, who have different identities and different racial identities, are carrying a similar burden. Uh, that's like a, it's like a, it's almost like a tax or a, you don't even have um, like, you know, an additional energetic and psychic burden, emotional burden. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to name, I'll stop rambling here, but I, I want to name the gratitude I'm feeling for you, for your willingness to actually name it. Cause I, I can, I imagine the labor of doing, like having to carry that in day to day, but the labor of also then having to say to white bodied folks, like, this is my reality, <laughs> like, and you're not seeing it. Um, that's an additional thing. And so I'm feeling a lot of gratitude for you, for for
2: that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Greg. That means a lot hearing it. And it's, it's, it's a weight that, we don't want to carry, you know, I will pay someone really good money to take this weight off of my shoulders, you know, and it's, I've actually been reflecting on that. And I, I truly do not mean to sound defensive as I'm speaking out loud and like really soaking into my truth here. I've had people specifically in working environments meet me with that response when I do speak, like this is how I prepare myself to be seen as a credible leader in tech I've been met that with that response of, "Oh, that sounds really heavy and a, and a big burden to bear," or like, "Oh, that's," but that's how you view the world, right? And when I'm met with that response, what I'm actually hearing in that subtext is, they're put, putting the blame on me. Mm. They're, not mm. at, they're not looking at the many different systems that we're living in and how they're so flawed and broken. There's actually something wrong with me. Like I'm the one who is complaining. I'm the one with the heaviness. I'm choosing to carry the a hundred pounds on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I find myself wanting to like pound my fist on the table and scream out loud that these problems are not about me. They are bigger than me. They're bigger than, than, than the three of us on this podcast. This is like, when are we going to take a moment and look at the constructs of how we live in this operating model and point out specifically that these are the root causes that are problematic? Like, that's the conversation I want to have. Right. Mm-hmm. People who are willing to do the hard work, roll up their sleeves and, and take accountability.
0: Yeah, just really hear how it gets pointed at right at you and and your individual like this is an individual problem hello you know our love for individualism and also just what keeps you know the dominant culture in power and white supremacy in power is to make it your fault um and as you know i've been in conversations just hearing the the many ways that that can happen for you just in having you know feedback on this being your personal issue or like you were saying a minute ago about what it takes to be seen as a competent leader. And, you know, now you have, I can only imagine like there's leadership competencies or assessments or performance reviews that then start to get interwoven that are infused. Right. And so like you're saying, where can we all step back? Some of us more than others, step back and look at, Mm -hmm what's what's inherent and endemic, you know, in these conditions that are requiring you to do this, right? It's not a personality flaw or a performance issue. So why we want to be here and you sharing your lived experience is so important is so we can really, oh, come on people, you know, it's really understand what's going on here.
2: Yeah. And when I when i hear you say that shannon it makes me think about as a person of color as a minority as anyone who doesn't kind of like fit the mold we've been training for this our whole lives hmm. like we've mm-hmm. we've we've like documented in our minds when we hear something and if it's genuine or not is it coming from a place of like growth and care and trust, or is it coming from a place of manipulation and coercing that person to do something that they're not comfortable doing, right? And so I think, um, I know we're wrapping up to the end of the year, and if you think about a lot of like companies and how they have performance review cycles, they usually start in the beginning of, of Q1. I, I'm hoping that people leaders really do the education on how to give rich, fair feedback based on equity. And it isn't packaged up and like coded in all of this oppressive language. Yeah,
0: Yeah, as you were, I think so. I, I kind of I got a little distracted and cuz I was also like connecting as you were talking wondering about the coercing and the bias right and the and like what you're bringing in now of couching things that are you know that don't have equity in mind and it just feels like a big knot right of of where <clears throat> You know, how, how can white-bodied folks make themselves more aware? There's many, many ways. <laughs> so many, many ways of their bias and how even with the best of intentions, that becomes coercive, right? And then that becomes placed on you in a way that <clears throat> is not equitable. And I'm wondering, as I say all that, am I, am I understanding what you're kind of pointing to here, these different? layers?
2: Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think it kind of even threads back to what we were just talking about around before a people leader gives somebody in a marginalized position feedback, like being able to frame it in here's the institution that we're in, these are the failure points." Mm-hmm. Like being taking a moment to acknowledge that. And then going into I know this is a very popular feedback model, the SBI model situation, behavior, impact. And then once you have you know that you have that trust with that individual who's in a marginalized position, then going into that um, SBI model of, of delivering and giving feedback, I think if we could do that really well, it could transform like cultures mm-hmm. in in tech and probably many other industries as well.
1: It seems to me like part of the the missing ingredient in that is the self awareness of the manager that you know um, holding the, the all of all of these pieces right, both the cultural context, the organizational cultural context, and the larger cultural context right that you know we talked about before the culture behind the culture an understanding of white supremacy culture patriarchal culture, how that all is working in a system and then understanding their own sense of positionality, the lenses that they're looking through, right? It's like the layers of this are pretty, are pretty thick in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, you're talking, um, about how, you know, other, um, most people of color or maybe all people of color are been cataloging this training for this, their whole lives. Um, have been um, forced to uh, create strategies in order to navigate you know, these, these, uh, these waters. And white-bodied folks, we, we don't even know it exists, right? We pretend or, we, or there's on some level we're pretending we don't know or something. It's hard, to, it's hard to kind of pinpoint exactly what that is in some ways. And so the, the layers of education are very different, right? And like what it means to, to bring equity in is, um, those, they're not, it's not balanced in that way, right? There needs to be a a certain kind of, not just education, which I think a lot of times DEI work ends up being about education and talking about implicit bias and like kind of listing off the, the traits, but not as much about the, let's actually do the personal exploration. Let's look at how it lives in us. How does it move through us? What are we, how are we complicit in it? Um, and that, that that's a, that feels like a missing piece in what you're describing. Like if we, if we can't do that. Then, then all of the desires to create, you know, equitable performance, um, metrics and all of that is probably going to just get lost in the mix.
0: And it's really
2: well said. Yeah. It's, um, I think it can, it can be very seductive to say I have a playbook. I have a leadership playbook and it's been really effective and this leadership playbook applies for everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not me. That's not me insulting the many like wonderful leadership playbooks out there because I I use many of them, but I think what it fails to do is doing exactly what you said, Greg, around like having leaders take a step back and acknowledging how these systems live through us, that implicit bias, the ups- subconscious ways that we have interacted with others in the world, it fails to address that. And we need to be able to have those conversations if we're really going to come from a place of like understanding. And I find myself also say, we've got to be able to bring that forward in order for us to make progress as, as people, you know, cause how, how I see a lot of people of color living the world today is they have different versions of, of themselves everywhere. Like genuinely, genuinely where they feel safe. Maybe it's, maybe it's at home. Um, but let's pretend it is. They can be, their true authentic self. And I know that's kind of like the hot take right now. You have companies um, broadcasting, you can be your true authentic self in a culture of safety and belonging, and you can be you and how heartbreaking and a betrayal it is when that person starts their first day at work and they realize over time that like, oh, that actually isn't true there are mm-hmm. dire consequences for being my, my, true authentic self.
0: Yeah. That's a privileged, that's a privileged position to be able to, you know, you know, let's have authenticity and vulnerability and, you know, all those things that you mentioned or get talked about, um, and understanding how, how privileged that is for us. Um, white bodied folks that, you know, the risk is a lot less. I mean, sure. We can still get our criticism of you talk too much or we're too direct or all, but it's just way, way, way different. You know, the risks, the assessment, the consequence, is just infinitely different. Um, It is. Can I,
2: Um, can I add one, one bit to that? Yeah, please. To kind of try to walk in my shoes a bit And I also think that's really hard, right? I don't know if we can really walk into each other's shoes. There's just too many details. (laughs) I'll never forget this one week. And again, this is what happens of somebody of my lived identity. I remember this one week and it was at a company where I had a lot of allies and I still have relationships with them today. I am thankful for how much they invested in me. But it was one week where i got three different pieces of feedback that all conflicted with each other one piece of feedback was hey you showed up really strongly in that presentation like good job so it was an acknowledgement about how i did represent the team in a way that they expected and then like literally hours later a different leader stepping in and being like hey, did you know that you kind of spoke a little slow and you've got to like up your energy and speak with confidence the next time around. I'm like, but that first leader just said I did well. and what? But this other leader just said that I wasn't sounding confident and strong and speaking with enough pace in my voice. And then um, the next day, a different leader approached me and said, oh gosh, I didn't realize that you were as old as you were i was really surprised because you showed up extremely professional and then well-spoken
0: oh my goodness
2: so oh you think of you think of the the roller coaster that i went through that week this ultimate high thinking i've nailed it i've nailed this presentation and and this business uh, proposal and then shortly being met with commentary that makes a question, did I actually do a good job? I don't know anymore. And then oh this other leader just commented on my age. I don't even I can't even change that. So maybe I need to wear a blazer next time or adjust the way that my hair looks so then I can look five to ten years older than I actually am.
0: And there's so many layers <laughs> in the hat. I mean if confusion you were speaking of feeling like a chameleon you know so which you know which one of these do I need to you know bring forward in that um and I'm gonna do what Greg did a few minutes ago and kind of what do you call it break the fourth wall Greg with yeah, our yeah. <laughs> listener right of just you know even you know, recognizing the layers that are in there. Cause I think sometimes uh, I can hear white bodied folks, myself included occasionally too, still like, well, isn't that just personality or isn't that just what it means to succeed as a leader here? Or isn't just the culture of being professional or, you know, in tech, that's how we have to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just like the layers of You know, individual, when I hear those things in myself, I think they're, there's that's like pause, Shannon, and think. Like, Mm -hmm. slow this down and become aware of where your own individual stuff, preference, needs for comfort, what I think good leaders are, then recognizing that layer of like what I've been conditioned to believe. And then I put that on you. I have stereotypes, you know, age, young all of that 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 I heard in the comments that you got, you know, and then the institutional stuff around leadership and competencies and tech. And so I just think sometimes when we hear ourselves saying, well, isn't that just the personality or isn't that just the way it is? Or those are good indicators to slow down and become aware of all these layers and what you're then, you know, putting onto the person you're giving feedback to, which isn't to say you shouldn't give the feedback, which isn't to say that you know we need to not be in conversation about how we want to be but it just needs to be way slowed down i think and uh grappled with interrogated and really you know considering all these layers so that i think you were saying and about the we need that trust first you know we need we need to have this relationship and then we can then we can do our great leadership models of situation behavior impact and you know, be in conversation. So kind of went a little like frameworky on you from your personal share. So wonder if there's anything that you would add in, or I missed, or I misunderstood, or no, that felt no. important, but
2: not at all. Just like, I mean, Shannon, in your, in your, um, you just have like a magic to this where you're able to, to frame everything in a way of, of, of what I truly meant. Um, it, I think I, I'm finding myself stuttering because I'm just so shocked that like people don't get this, you know, like I, I, it shocks me that we're even having this dialogue around because it, it almost seems as if it's relationship building one on one, you know, like mm. I, I have friends who are still dating. I'm, I'm not, but I, I hear their experience around like, gosh, you can't, I can't believe the first date I was on they judged everything that i did and they didn't really like get to know my family and all they did was like talk about themselves right like you hear all of the dating horror stories and so i just always find it so fascinating when you think about like a leader to employee dynamic your first conversation isn't going to be a bunch of like observations around how they can do their job better because you don't know them you don't know enough about their experience and their abilities, you've got to take that time to, to build that rapport. And so it always shocks me when I hear these professional work stories about how that wasn't done.
0: Greg and I are with you. <laughs> if I may speak for Greg, I mean, we sit around a lot of the time going, what? You know, and I also think back to like my own journey. I mean, I, I was one of these unaware leaders for a long time still. And I still have, of course, plenty of blind spots in figuring this out and just the water we swim in of like the normalcy of it all. Like, isn't that just the way it is? You know? And it, I don't know what you would add in Greg, but not that it makes it Okay.
1: No, I mean, the thing, the thing that comes to mind, like there's a, there's a movie Shannon and I were talking about this yesterday. I don't know if you've ever heard of the movie, the color of fear. Um, it was made in 1994. Actually I'm pretty sure the thing is the year by a guy named Lee Manois. I'll put the notes to it in the show notes and make sure. And you, you get a link to, to it. I, I think it's, I think it's a little spendy to get access to. It. It's not like you can stream it on, you know, Netflix or whatever, but, and what it is, is it's, um, it's a dialogue among eight men, uh, and uh, he, the, the the dialogue it has two African heritage men, two Asian men, two Latinx men, two white men, and um, it's a conversation about race in this this facilitated conversation. And there's a moment where um, one of the black men and one of the white men are kind of in a thing, and the black man is expressing his experience, and the white man is basically dismissing it and saying, you know. And the facilitator, Lee Manois, and the director, he turns to the white man and he says, Let me ask you a question. If what I think the I think the man's name is Victor, the black man, he says, if what Victor is saying to you is true, like just take for a moment the idea that it's true, what would what would that mean? And the white the white man says it, it would be unbearable. It'll be it'd be I couldn't comprehend it. I couldn't take it. It's like too much to consider that, that that's true. And he's like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, like, and this is, I think, to me, it highlights this thing that as white bodied folks we do, right? Which is like, we just, it's too much to take in the idea that that's how you have to live your life. So it's easier to, to, to point to, aren't you just not being professional? Shouldn't you fit in? Like, you know, this is how we do things around here. That's, that doesn't make it right, I think, you know, and I think it's one of the things, I think part of the, at the core of this project is kind of helping to highlight, like, look, folks, fellow white-bodied folks, again, to break the the fourth wall. We've got to do the work to be able to actually take N's story in and say, this is real. This is what she's experiencing on a day to day to day to day basis. It doesn't ever end. It's like it, and it probably does. You know, it doesn't just end when you leave work. I'd imagine there's other contexts in which you have different versions of this. Except for maybe some isolated places, your home, maybe other communities that you're a part of, and if, if for us to take that in and actually feel the weight of that and the feel of the like intensity of that, if we if we're not willing to do that, then we're just part, we're just enabling it, we're just holding it up, we're complicit, and keeping it, you know, and keeping it um, this way, and we're not actually doing the work of, of anti-oppression. You know it's we're we're just playing the game and, and trying to feel a little bit better you know and making it about our comfort once again i think
2: that's exactly it and i find myself i find myself wanting to share with all the allies out there who are committed to doing this work that like i'm not a victim like i don't want people taking away from this conversation of like oh poor and poor and and her community you know like we're not looking for pity we're not looking for sympathy we there's like our story isn't being told properly and Mm -hmm. this is like one Mm -hmm. step in being courageous enough to say this is true what we experience in these working environments just is true and we deserve to be believed we deserve that to acknowledge that circling back to like what we originally were talking about this just is and I'm not going to get emotional I can I can I can already sense it in my voice and I can hear my mm-hmm. voice shaking because mm-hmm. um, I think I just realized where all my over explaining comes from
0: mm.
2: we over explain because I think it's a way for us to share our stories and being met met with a response of like, oh, that was a lot of context. How come you're oversharing so much about yourself? I don't want to. Mm -hmm. This isn't something I want to do. Mm -hmm. I just, I believe if everyone's committed to doing this work, like people genuinely can win, then we can move Mm -hmm. to that place of inclusivity and belonging and acceptance, right? If everyone acknowledges that this is a responsibility for us, to all do our part
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just feeling the impact of over explaining you know and the I'm sure the conditioning of that and of the need to do that and then just all of the complexity in it so
2: So exhausting uh, and I have to say and we have to sweat every word every word right like how do i how do i make sure i tell this point of view but make sure it doesn't sound self absorbed how do i make sure i i i i share this pain that my community is facing i thought about this a lot during the um the anti asian hate and the wake of so much discrimination around Asians in, in North America. And as we saw it it grew across different, Mm -hmm. different parts of the world. But I thought about this a lot of like, is it even worth me sharing how we're being treated right now? Or is somebody going to receive what I'm explaining as being selfish or trying to be the center of attention or calling for, This is hard to talk about.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Take your time,
0: and you don't have to talk about it if you changed your mind right there in this moment.
2: <laughs> no, I think it's. I think <laughs> it's it's worth kind of unpacking here. Um, I remember when the news outlets reported about that. The spa in Georgia, I believe it was in Atlanta, Georgia, where many women who they were murdered because they were Asian and, you know, it's just terrible hate crime. And that just hit me to my core because that could have been me. That could have been my mom. That could have been my sister. Going to going to. Asian spas is a place of self-care like that's rooted in our in our history and to see a place that we typically go for safety to have our own kind shot and murdered like that it, it it's frightening right and I remember I I knew I wanted to write about it and and talk about how it impacted me in the community and my immediate immediate thought was I don't think this is going to be received by the world. Hmm. They're going to see it as and making it a moment about her instead of speaking boldly on behalf of this horrendous event. I think I ended up posting something anyways. Like I, I, I was able to battle all of the ways I hesitated but I had my story like sitting in my in my notepad for probably a month just like back and mm-hmm. forth like what do I risk sharing how I'm experiencing this moment like what do I do are people tired of hearing about hate crimes
0: <laughs>
2: is it even going to make a difference Is it going to change the narrative?
0: Mm.
2: And I ended up posting it because I realized my goal is to drive awareness, drive connection, drive understanding. So then we can eventually be better to each other. But it took a lot of time
0: to get there. Mm -hmm. Just hearing all the layers and complexities. And then, you know, I had this like gut response that was like, oh, well, God, I know, I know you and how you come across. And I'm like, I had my little voice was like, oh, trust yourself. And then I'm like, wow, you know, another place where your trust in yourself has been undermined yeah, and not exactly. just you, but your community—you know, Asian women—and it just gets undermined and undermined and undermined. So, just the to have that, you know, as a as a place that you're sitting in a lot and wrestling with for a month to be able to then come forward and share your your story and thoughts about something so important. So. Hmm. Mm, I'm glad you did
2: me too. And I, I'm glad I did for many reasons, but I think I'm glad because when I did post how I was just internalizing everything that happened and just like my own self-reflection, my community started reaching out or allies like Mm. yourself, Shannon and Greg came reaching out and I saw the goodness that came out of speaking out truths and disrupting the way that we we interact with each other. And so it encouraged me to just keep trying, right? Like that, that hesitation will never go away. It's always going to be in the background for me. Yet I find myself wanting to like push myself out there regardless and be very intentional on how that's done. I'm still Mm -hmm. figuring that out. As you can tell, mm-hmm.
0: I think it. Imagine it changes over time, and you know. And I, I also find myself thinking about. I don't know. I think we probably talked about this from our teachers at Holistic Resistance, like that reaching. You know, like where we reach from, and I've experienced your reaches. You know, whether between us personally or in other venues or LinkedIn. I feel the reach for other people's hearts in how you reach. And like you were just saying, I'm reaching for connection through my truth and through my story, you know, and for change and disruption, but that, that reach for a relationship, I really feel it from you. So, and I'm appreciative deeply.
2: No, thank you. Yeah. Like we, my community is very, Adamant about retiring this, like model minority myth. Like we mm-hmm. don't want that as as something that's labeled and placed on us. And so I think part of the work, and I hope others will eventually join in. And I many have. Um, I was even like rereading a few pages of like Minor Feelings by by Kathy Hong Park. I've felt so seen reading every single page of that novel. Um, but you're seeing these stories come out and I'm just craving more of it. And then I'm asking myself, like, what part do I do as more of these stories start making, making its way and getting published? Mm-hmm.
0: I wonder if we're kind of coming to a place. that's a close of mm-hmm. thinking about feeling, hearing your experience and, and, you know, your call to to hear others' experiences and their truth and their stories and, you know, bust some myths and disrupt some stuff all through what I hear is kind of truth and relationship. And so I wonder if this doesn't feel like kind of a good place to begin to wrap up and, you know, invite our fellow white-bodied folks to keep doing this work so that the reach can be there and the understanding and the Ability to disrupt and hear people's stories and accept it mm-hmm. as truth, not just stories, they lived experience that affects them yeah. deeply, yeah. Yeah. deeply in their bodies and in their lives, you know, as yeah. true and to yes. prepare ourselves to co-create something else together. Yes. So just turn that over to you, Anne and Greg for, if this feels like a good wrap up and we'll head that way.
1: I, I want to just, I just want to add to that, look, the complexity, right? Because... And, and I, I just want to name it because it's here right which is everything you just said and the the power and what you were just talking about and sharing those stories and your experience juxtaposed with the reality of what you have to navigate and part of why it is your um, we we're, we're, we're anonymizing you in this space right so that you can you can know that you can step back out into the work world, and not necessarily have to worry that this will come back as something mm-hmm. that will add to some story about you, your personality, or whatever that you're telling your story and your lived experience isn't going to be something that gets used against you, as it as it so as so easily can. And that there's such a tension there in 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 our field, uh, you know, in the organization development, leadership development field. There's so much about authentic leadership and just be authentic and name your truth and speak what's true for you that doesn't necessarily take into account the reality of, well, I, I can do that and there can be power in that. And it also could come back and bite me in a way that um, puts my family at risk and puts my livelihood at risk and my career. And, um, and so the tension that you're, that you're navigating and you're highlighting for, for the listeners uh, feels really important.
2: Mm -hmm. Greg and I know we talked a little bit about it and as we wrap this all up I want to be able to put my first and last name behind a story I want that so desperately I just know my circumstances and it's just not time yet you know and so there's a tinge of disappointment Mm -hmm. Um, but I really appreciate just talking so candidly with the two of you today and you know, both of you are always thinking about making sure that we're coming in a place from, of transparency and discomfort instead of saying like the normal things that we're always talking about and like really trying to do the healing together. And so that just means so much to me. Um, and I guess anyone who's listening who can identify with my lived experience, I like find myself wanting to share like one gratitude like, thank you for listening. And then also, too, like a string of affirmations that you are enough. It's not your fault. And Mm. you're genuinely not alone. There's many, many of us who are navigating these spaces and using tools that have, have worked for us.